Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Turn Chuckle. I am Pablo and I hope everyone is doing just spiffingly well on this fine day. Now it's fine as I speak, it could be raining where you are, but you know, it, weather is open to interpretation. I like the rain. I like the rain. But I'm going to start, whoever Lorraine is, uh, wait, um, no, I'm just going to stop, I'm going to stop digging a hole. So anyway, uh, instead of digging a hole, I'm going to dig the archives, the archives, if you will. See what I did there? I'm, I'm just amazing at uh, segues like that. Now, as well as bringing you brand new interviews with top wrestlers from, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, which, you know, are all a lot of fun uh we are digging through my personal archives to bring you interviews up to the bbg wrestling podcast network for the very first time now this interview is with joe hendry from 2016 it is one day before his match with kurt angle uh for the what culture pro wrestling show now obviously a lot of things have changed since then uh what culture pro wrestling no longer no longer around and everything but it's fascinating to hear you know him talk about building up to that match obviously but it also has a timeless quality about it because it's about his beginnings in wrestling his uh his other life as a musician uh we go into all that kind of stuff and i hope you very very much enjoy it and uh do check out the bbg wrestling podcast network for a range of different shows including the turnchuckle shows where we've interviewed lots of names both past and present and um yeah Fun to be had by all. So yes, without further ado, this is my interview from 2016 with Joe Hendry. I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you, Paul? I'm fine. Um, oh, you've given away my identity now because it's uh, Pablo's Popman Podcast. But um, all right, okay. So we'll start again. Okay, babe. No, 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 it's all good. <laughs> um, so Kurt Angle was, you know, obviously a big uh, influence for you and a hero. So what was it about Kurt Angle that immediately drew you towards him? Um, well, I think the what I have to say about Kurt Angle is that I think that Kurt Angle is hands down the most complete professional wrestler there ever has been. Um, and the reason is, I think if you look at all of the different facets and aspects of what it takes to become a good professional wrestler, if you look at it all, Angle is the one who has ticked every box. Um, he is has fantastic matches. Um, he's very intense but he can be hilarious at the same time. Um, he is a legitimate athlete. Um, and I think if you look at what, what he can do across the board, I think that he is, it's not a versatility in that he's kind of a, a jack of all trades. He really is a master of all trades. I think he is, he is number one. He is, if you're looking at someone who is nailed in every aspect of the game, he's number one. Mm-hmm. Well, that's certainly something that you've, uh, taken from that you know you're a black belt in judo you training for the commonwealth uh, games in amateur wrestling uh, yeah. i mean you're also a great singer as well so ah, thank you <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you know as a musician yourself uh, what was your background uh, musically were you in bands uh, younger or did you uh, sort of take music courses at college or university or anything like that well, I never really did any music. I did it at school very early on. I had some guitar lessons and violin lessons and stuff like that. Um, but after kind of halfway through high school, I didn't really get any sort of education. I was just more in bands and stuff. Um, and I was really focused on music, and that was my main endeavor. Uh, and that was from the age of about 15 to just before I started wrestling, really. So I put a good 10 years in there, yeah. uh, you know, throwing absolutely everything at it. And, uh, you know, I really do feel for a lot of the musicians out there. It's a tough game. It's not what it used to be. It's a completely different business model. And, you know, when I got into music, it was you'd play a gig, you'd get spotted by a label, you'd get signed, you'd put out an album. Whereas now it's really a much more organic approach. Um, but, Unfortunately, a lot of my friends and myself got caught in that transitional period when everyone's still trying to get signed by labels and they really can't do anything useful for you anymore. I had a meeting in uh, New York, actually, with uh, with Sony and RCA, um, and we, we made it all the way to the executives. And um, they basically said to us, you know, if this was five years ago, we'd have given you a two-album deal right now. We'd given you this budget and da-da-da-da-da, yeah. but you don't have a million views on YouTube. And the crazy thing is... <laughs> Is I actually do have a million views on YouTube now. So I thought about phoning them up and going, "Hey, let's do a let, let's do a Joe Hendry album." <laughs> well, it is pretty crazy. I mean, um, obviously, you uh, talk about being in that transitional period, and as uh, like myself as a musician now, it's 
sort of almost post that transitional period to the point where you can, I guess, yeah. kind of predict it more now than you could say 10 years ago while the change was happening sort of thing. Like, yeah. you know, kind of how it's going to be sort of things. So, I mean, do, yeah. Did sure. you did you take that aspect of promotion and uh, you know learning a lesson from that and uh, is that what sort of you used uh, to promote yourself as a as a wrestler? Um, to be honest with you, I changed strategies completely because um, I kind of knew that I'd been going down the wrong route. I was trying to create this uh, this kind of major label product, if you will, and that's just soulless, you know. So with wrestling, what I tried to do is really just try to entertain people um as much as possible that was the main goal yeah um so again it's a weird one it's kind of a contradiction because on one hand i walked in on my first day wrestling training and said i want to get a wwe tryout you know i want to work at wwe which is a crazy thing to say but deep down within me before i kind of went along i'd, I'd made the decision to go and i didn't whilst i always you know was taught to always be as ambitious as possible I didn't have any expectations of what wrestling would do for me. Um, I, I, I wasn't sitting there thinking, you know, I'm 100% going to be WWE champion and stuff like that. I was really just thinking to myself, this is something that I've been thinking about all day, every day for, you know, as long as I can remember. And this is, it's, it's an obsession. It's something I have to pursue. It's something I have to do. I need to test myself. I need to know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was, I'm guessing it was kind of a case of, it was being true to yourself than trying to sort of impress other people sort of thing. Because if you, I guess if you're trying to be what other people want you to be, they might not want you to be that at some point. It is a tough balance because you really have to manage what, I mean, one thing you always have to do is everything that I, I try to apply rules to what I do. And with my entrances, they really have to make me laugh. They have to make my brother laugh. They have to be, I wouldn't just do something for the sake of doing it. I, I have to find it entertaining. Yeah. But at the same time, it needs to be something that's going to entertain other people. And entertaining other people is at the forefront of what I do. But if you really try and please everyone, um, you're going to end up pleasing no one. Because um, the thing is, it's like everyone, when they think about becoming a wrestler, wants to come out to heavy metal music and be the champ and you know play this role of the badass. But the the reality of it is that, that you know everyone wants to do that. And I noticed that. So when I first got into wrestling, my plan was to just be the polar opposite of that, which is who I am. Yeah, and, I, and that is who I am. You know, I'm not the most rock and roll guy, to be honest with you. I'm not uh, mad into, uh, you know, the into drinking and stuff like that i'm pretty uh pretty boring socially to be honest <laughs> so um the local hero you know that is me and that's is my name and that that is me so it is an extension of myself and i always held that uh, close to home when I'm, i have to say like podcasts of you know like chris jericho's podcast steve austin jim ross like all those podcasts are very educational for someone like myself and i've really kind of listened to a lot of the lessons there and tried to implement them in what i do and so that i mean to tie it back that is one of the advantages nowadays is that we've got all this access to information and teaching and training and they used to say that um you know you learn more sitting in the car with the veterans than uh than you would in the the training session or 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 the ring you know you'd learn just as much in the car picking up on what they're saying and if you think about these podcasts are a way for us to as professional wrestlers aspiring professional wrestlers to listen to the veterans and have the conversations they would otherwise be having in the car so it's it does have this this day and age does have some disadvantages but when it comes to professional wrestling i think it's really in the advantage column if you look at the opportunities that were available 10 years ago as opposed to the opportunities that are available now it's a good time to be a wrestler oh, absolutely i mean let's go back to 10 years ago because uh, you're from my favorite city edinburgh um yeah you know, I'll, I'll, I'll not say that too loud since i'm from newcastle but um <laughs> um what was the scene like in edinburgh because i mean uh insane championship wrestling did that come around probably at the right time for you than when you were training um it was crazy man i mean i literally debuted on the saturday and i was in icw on the sunday oh really okay so yeah it was quicker than most and honestly it was it was pretty tough to fit in because a lot of people had been working for years and years to get into icw and they see someone literally on their second day yeah. Um, get into ICW you know that that's gonna 
ruffle a few feathers, which is you kind of have to do from time to time. But it, it was a tough one. Um, but I, I went along and I, I cut a promo, and it was Fear and Loathing. I think it was six. Anyway, it was the 2013 Fear and Loathing where my pro- debut promo aired, and I was sitting there in the the balcony watching it, mm-hmm. and. Um, I think Psychodelic could do the theme song we're playing live. And when I heard it and it was this badass music and everyone's rocking out to it, I looked at the crowd and I thought, I have to be the polar opposite of this. And that is where uh, the idea for the music video, the original um, ICW Me and You came from. Because yeah. it was just it was a play on the, the, the theme song. So is that what uh, ICW saw in you straight away, that your personality was dramatically different because obviously you're a great athlete as well but um well believe it or not believe it or not there was a discussion with myself and dallas and we we came to the conclusion that my the basis of what i do the the blueprint would be early kurt angle you know the kind of american hero stuff so it's really crazy how this has come full circle Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, um, in with regards to your uh, training, I mean, you were trained by some of the greats, Robbie Brookside and uh, Marty Jones, amongst um, amongst others. So, I mean, what did you learn specifically from those veterans um, that helped you? You know, stuff that you may not have even thought about before. Was it sort of psychology or? Um, well, what I would say is, I've, I would say I've got four main trainers. Although I've trained all over the place uh, with lots of different great people. Yeah. Um, my main trainers were um, Demo and Mikey Whiplash. Yeah. And um, so basically, with I would say Mikey Whiplash, I did a lot of uh, private sessions with him at the at the start, and he really taught me the the mechanics and you know the the fundamentals. And Demo, I trained with more um, a little bit later on, and he kind of taught me that uh, like. That stuff, but also just he he's taught me a lot about how to navigate your way around the business. He's he's very smart in that way. Um, and um, Robbie Brookside was at the or Mister Brookside as as we would call. Um, he was basically at Source, and this was just before he joined uh, WWE as a trainer at the Performance Center, and yeah. it was literally. That was a that was the time where he was transitioning into that role. So I was brand new in my career in Source Wrestling School, and I really didn't have a whole lot going on in my life at that time, and I didn't have a lot of commitments in it. And I was able to train every day with him for, uh, you know, fourteen days in total, right at the start. So, and that's you know usually training sessions you're talking three or four hours, but this was you know ten in the morning till ten at night sometimes. So if you think about the ring time I managed to get with someone who's coaching the next wave of talent at WWE. It was um, it was frankly unbelievable and I really credit Source Wrestling School and that opportunity is a big part of um, what helped me get to, to the next level and mm-hmm. um, as for as for Marty Jones I think that he is he's got an, I mean if you just go back and watch some of his matches for the world of sport you know it's it's unbelievable stuff yeah. I mean it's mm-hmm. if you're into world of sport he 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 was you know as a, as a, a worker, I just couldn't think of anyone better right now. I mean, to me, he's just at the very top. Um, and he has some amazing ideas for, um, I'm trying to think of the best way to, 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 to put this on a, on a podcast, but his ideas of how matches should happen are phenomenal. And it's really old school principles that still apply today but really aren't used that often and it's sometimes it's really simple stuff but you'll just say how about this and when you first think about it it's something that you would never do but it's so logical and it's cool he's great at coming up with moments in in the ring and that's really what i've got from training with with him uh, so I've, I've been very fortunate really fortunate to have the the people that i've trained with yeah absolutely so i mean do you find yourself um by proxy sort of imparting knowledge now when you're sort of with uh, younger wrestlers who are inexperienced sort of you know providing them with you know common sense basically or just you know stuff that has almost been lost from wrestling i guess it's i think you go through transitions uh like for me like i'll go through uh there was a period of time there where i was wrestling non-stop doing um 
kind of smaller shows, but doing them nonstop, nonstop, nonstop. And I was just getting the ring time in, getting the matches in, and I was loving it. And I started to build this confidence. And then you start to do shows that are a bit bigger, and then you go, okay, I've I've got to top my game now. And then and and I feel like that's just happened again and again and again. So I'm more of an uh, I'm just trying to be a sponge and soak up knowledge at the moment because I think that you know I'm I'm very confident in what I do, but I really feel like I've scratched the surface on what it is to to be a professional wrestler. And there's the crazy thing is there's just when when you think you've you've kind of got your head around something, you discover a whole new. Um, whole new realm of possibilities of, of ways of doing things and it's, it's not an exact science and you know you can pick up knowledge all the time so i would probably try and steer clear from you know telling people how i think things should be done at this point because i still feel like i'm in this um in this embryotic stage of my career if you will i do think i can offer some advice when it comes to developing a brand and a character and you know maneuvering yourself to, to where you want to be business-wise but as for in ring um whilst again I'm, I'm i'm really confident and i'm you can't wait for the opportunities that are ahead it's I've, I've been in the business three years so i'm more concerned with trying to learn myself rather than <laughs> teach others at this point i'm sure that day will come but um it's not yet yeah well i mean you know you um you you are in the you know, relatively the embryonic stage of your career as well, but does it yeah. sort of, is it mind-blowing how, you know, I mean, it must be how much of a, I, I guess a resurgence that has been in the UK scene because it never really went away, but it's sort of, you know, thanks to, you know, what culture and uh, other companies as well, and obviously thanks to the internet as well, and, um, you know, thanks to as well, you know, big name former WWE talent being more available in this country and stuff like that. So, I mean, was I mean, is that sort of beyond anything that you could have imagined even three years ago? Um, when I first got into wrestling, it really what I had known and what I had seen online and what I'd been watching of local wrestling was, you know, it was it wasn't big massive shows it was smaller shows and but to me i just wanted to be in the ring you know so but the thing is when i first to be quite honest with you i walked in kind of accidentally at the absolute best time i walked in just as as it exploded so i managed to get myself like say in icw really quick so when it did explode i was there um so that was very fortunate about when i got into the business and it's really i, I think it's due to a lot of things i think the internet is you know probably the key thing for me and it's we're now in an age where people are selecting their own forms of entertainment and niches king we're in a, an age where you know it's you don't just you know most people don't go home and see what's on itv3 they'll watch whatever they want to watch with the apps that they've got and it's so it's a very specialized time so when you've got niches and certain niches that independent wrestling provide that's why i think it, it flourishes because before all this i didn't really have any friends that were into wrestling i had one or two um, but you know, and and they weren't nearby, so I didn't have anyone in Edinburgh that I could watch pay per views with or anything like that. Whereas now that social media is a bigger thing, people can connect in that way. So these communities, it kind of adds fuel to the fire, and these communities and niches can can build up. So I think that's a big part of it. Um, and it's you know, every time you wonder, is it is it are we on the crest of a wave? But it just keeps going up and up and up and up. And to be honest with you, it's due to a lot of things. It's due to the interaction of the fans. It's due to the great promotions. But the talent that we've got in this country is unbelievable. And I do feel quite blessed for the the people that I've been able to work with. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it has to be motivating as well. For you know, I, I know that you know WWE isn't everything you know i mean obviously it's you know, yeah. the biggest thing but it has to be motivating to see wwe hire so many more british wrestlers now especially i mean you know the neville you know pack is an amazing yeah. wrestler um but it just it always seemed kind of unlikely that like sort of anyone from newcastle would sort of you know ever uh make it in wwe but obviously he sort of traveled around the world and stuff like that as well um so i mean is that sort of maybe the next step for you as well sort of you know competing more internationally or um well actually i am uh going to canada next month so i'm doing three shows with smash wrestling i believe it's the 11th 12th and 13th okay. um so i'm really looking forward to that um i'm sure i will do more international stuff next year um 
really looking forward to to getting out more because um, that's a big part of it is traveling the world i want to see the world and you know do something constructive while i do it and um, so i i'm i really love going to new places and meeting new people and wrestling new people i mean i haven't done shows in america but i've gone to the uh roh dojo and the monster factory and just getting to kind of wrestle around with people there and train with you know some fantastic talent and just get different perspectives you know i really enjoy that so i i really am looking forward to to getting out there more i hope everyone's enjoying my interview with joe hendry i'll be back in the jiffy you do it in the shower you do it in the car come do it with us and be a star karaoke with full house entertainment at the corner house pub last friday of every month from 9 p.m all singers get a chance to win one of 15 prizes and our new food menu is now in full swing visit us for a pre-drink at the corner house pub heat in newcastle upon time any six five rp and now back to the shoe Last November, as a lot of people know, you were on Raw in a segment with uh, Rusev. <laughs> Did you have to try out the Russian accent on anyone? Well, here's the crazy thing, and I was just going to say time-wise, don't don't worry, I've got a little bit more time than, than I thought I did, so we can kind of extend it a little bit longer <laughs> if you want to. Um, but uh, as for the, the, the accent, it was literally a case of, and this, this I will speak about, it was a case of... Um, being the first to raise your hand in the situation who wants to do it got my hand up but the the crazy thing is i don't think it was supposed to be me that was doing it but um i was kind of you know asked to bring some red ties so I, I did and so i thought i was you know obviously that's for a reason and they said where are my russians at and then i kind of got my hand right up there so i found myself um, it was me and uh, lionheart were there and we got given some lines and um we that that was kind of the extent of it and it was yeah out on monday night raw cutting a promo and to be honest with you it's one of those situations i always one thing i learned from steve austin's podcast and i think it was a story about him driving some vehicle that that uh, he'd been asked to drive and he answered yes i know how to do that so i thought well yeah when i was asked about the accent i was like yes of, of course i can do a russian accent so that's probably why there's a little bit of russian a little bit of jamaican a little bit of scottish <laughs> in there you know so it's uh yeah it was one of those situations where you just got to grab the opportunity with both hands and i did and looking back i have to say that is even though it's a you know it's a rather unique situation that's kind of it's very different to what i've been doing on the independence and that's one of the achievements i'm, I'm really proud of because the, to convey the I knew I had to nail that because it's a high-pressure situation. Yeah. If I was to walk out on Monday Night Raw and fluff that, how could I turn around and say that I can be trusted with with opportunities in the future? Mm. So I knew that that was going to be very important, that I, I got all my lines and had everything memorized and was able to deliver it. And I know it seems quite simple, but it's really hard to remember lines word for word and do it in an accent that is unnatural to you. <laughs> so it was, it was, that was actually one of the more difficult things I've had to do. And, uh, you know, it went really well and, uh, it was, it was a great moment. And, you know, I loved being a part of the WWE experience. It really is. It's the rush of being there when it's all happening around you. It is unbelievable. Um, and it's something that just can't be explained in, until you've been there. And it's, you know, the guy, other folks who have, have, have tried out will, will know what I mean, but just the rush that you get being in that environment, it's it's a, it's a machine. Mm -hmm. So did you have uh, family and friends in the audience then? I had, um, no, I'm trying to think. If like, that did, did they know that you were going to be doing this? Or? No, because <laughs> I wasn't able to tell anyone. Oh, okay. Because... That's that's one of those things I think you know you have to kind of be trusted with information and I took that very seriously. So, yeah. um, a lot you know most people discovered when it just someone uh, I think Demo uh, managed to get a hold of a screenshot when it happened live and uh, posted it up on Facebook for everyone to see. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, going back a little bit, when you said that uh, when you first started uh, training that you kind of had nothing going on at the time, was that sort of immediately after? the uh your music uh experience like was it kind of a a bit of a letdown sort of getting as far as you did and then sort of for nothing to happen at the time 
Um, it, it, it was hard because I felt that it wasn't just me. It was the guys in the band and it was, you know, um, my friend who was helping manage the band. And it wasn't just me. It was a team and I felt like I'd, I'd let everybody down. I'd, I'd failed everybody. Um, so that that was pretty emotionally tough. But I mean, I'd, I'd, I got my degree and all that, but I didn't have like a set career. I was just kind of doing jobs when I had to and things like that. And, you know, when I started wrestling, I didn't have any money. So I had to, I really, you know, I wouldn't advise this to anyone, by the way, but I got myself into some debt learning how to wrestle because I had to travel from Edinburgh to Glasgow every day. Um, So that was, that was pretty pricey. Um, So there was a lot of time kind of staying with friends and on my dad's sofa and stuff like that. But I think when you got a goal and you know I, I just it was the right fit you know wrestling was was for me it was something that i'd always wanted to do but i just never thought it was possible you know it was, if you'd have asked me what do you want to do most do you want to kind of headline team the park or lift the the world heavyweight championship and it's lift the world heavyweight championship i just didn't think it was possible and you know failing uh, it was very freeing it allowed me to to just go for it with and there were no consequences i had nothing to lose really so in terms of my goals, obviously, you know, there's a lot, you know, I've, I'd say I've been very fortunate, but in terms of my goals, you know, I'd let it go. I'd accepted failure. So anything else was just a bonus, really. So and that's a very freeing thing. And then I went on and decided, you know what, I don't want to do kind of just whatever job um, that I'll, I can get my hands on. I thought, you know what, I'm going to um, try and survive and I'm going to apply for jobs that I think would be meaningful and worthwhile and are going to pay well. And, you know, I was, it wasn't out of work for long. I was kind of out of work for about a month or something, but I just spent when I wasn't wrestling all day, every day, just researching jobs. And then I finally got something related to my degree. And that was the kind of start of my career as well. And at the moment I'm doing my, I've, I've still got my job. I'm doing that part time. I'm working with what culture on content. So I do a lot of videos for them. Uh, and also I've got my wrestling career as well. Um, so there's a lot of things going on and it's, I feel very fortunate to be in, in the position I'm in now. Um, cause there's been some hard times, but you know, I do feel lucky. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I love that though. That's, you know, the underlying theme of this show is kind of, it is slightly self-indulgent, but I tried to make it appeal to, uh, people is kind of my self-employment and my journey as a self-employed musician and sort yeah. of the routes that I'm taking and sort of the chances that I'm taking as well. And a lot of the guests that I've had on have talked about their sort of, uh, their journey and sort of taking chances. Yeah. And, um, oh, I mean, th- th- I can't tell you how many times I've thrown all my chips down. Yeah. And you know what? Now, I'm, you're, I think mentality changes over time. And I had this, this guilt where I felt like I had to throw every penny into what I was doing. And if I wasn't, then I wasn't uh, given it 100%. Yeah. But you have to look after yourself. You need time to relax. You need a decent standard of living. And I think when you value yourself and you start to accept that, then you start to build standards for yourself and you, you, you work harder. And But you, you can kind of come. I'm trying to think of the word to say you can, I think compartmentalize is the word I was looking for, but you can, you have your passion, but you're able to see one thing I was very bad at is I was single minded. I didn't really pay much attention to the other things in my life. So I'm not, I neglected friends and family and relationships and things like that um, in pursuit of whatever the main goal was. But now I really do. Whilst I throw everything at my wrestling, I work very hard. It's always been a battle, but I really do try and have time, to maintain the other areas of my life and now i would say that it's actually having a, a good a, a good social life keeping up with your friends and family um, getting positive people around you but also taking time to watch a movie or listen to an album and not feel guilty about it and get yourself a good standard of living you know but do something that do, it's okay to have a job that isn't a hundred percent relevant to what you want to do, but get something you find relatively enjoyable and is going to provide you with a decent standard of living. And what I would say is you don't need to leave that job until you have to, I will leave my day job, but it will be when I absolutely have to, you know, when, when it's, you know what, it's time for me to do this full time. And that, I think, you know, I've seen a lot of wrestlers who do that. I won't go into details because you know, it's their business, but I've seen successful wrestlers around me and I'm talking, global names who still have some sort of work so really do adhere to the multiple income streams idea because 
you know, sorry to digress too much, but for mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, minimum wage jobs, we've all done them and, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with a hard day's work, but I feel like you're really kind of giving your soul for someone else's cause. And at the end of it, you walk out of each shift and you're like, well, did I, how did I forward my life there? <laughs> and you, you haven't, you know, you've been part of the system for somebody else and you need to do your own thing. And you have, I felt powerless in those situations. I couldn't get promoted because of, you know, this, that, and the next thing. And, you know, it's just, it. Those, those kind of jobs, it's the toughest environments, whereas with multiple income streams, it's you've got um, – I sound like an infomercial. So no, 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 no. <laughs> you've got uh, – like right now I've got kind of my, my job. I've got my wrestling. I've got my, um, my walk culture videos. I've got my merchandise. I've got different things going on. So it, it really helps me to balance and gets you some leverage and it allows you to – have some respect for yourself and do things that you want to do and make good decisions for the right reasons. You know, you don't, whereas if I was wrestling full time, um, which the thing is that the day will, will come and that'll be a great thing. Yeah. But for me, that's, that's not quite there yet. I would, I'm not sure I'd be able to, you know, it's, I'm I'm not, I'm I'm not sure I'm kind of losing myself here. (laughs) The thing is, it's, this is what works for me. Yeah. This is what works for me right now. And I guess what I'm trying to say is for, I'm just speaking to the former musicians that I used to be (laughs) because I know the, the, the pain of, of what it's like. And it's, it's don't think that because you're taking care of other areas of your life, that you're not giving it a hundred percent. If you can go full time and you can do it, then you've you've achieved the dream. Power to you. But enjoy the journey along along the way. Uh, I get that so much as well because you know I, um, I sorry, I'll probably need to edit that. It's just blabbing on. No, so. no, not at all. That <laughs> like I love this kind of stuff on the show because this is the kind of stuff that I think will sort of you know have repeat listens because it's the type of stuff that motivates people and. Um, you know, like my journey's been a little bit. So I'm not going to just go on about me because this is about you. But well, tell, um, tell, give me, the, give me the outline. Give me the outline. Well, as a musician, like you know, I, with college and stuff like that, I think. Well, they went through a period of sort of, um, sort of instilling in people in students' minds that if you weren't, say, a big star signed to a label or whatever, then you know you were almost a failure as a musician, sort of thing, or that there weren't yeah. any options out there, and it's just. You know, myself, um, obviously, I want my original music to be, you know, as big as it can be. It is a little bit niche. So, like, I'm aiming it towards the right people. Um, But at the same time, you know, I I did my teaching degree. So now I'm a songwriting teacher. You know, I've done stuff for jingles and stuff like that. And it is, it's what it had to be for me uh, was, you know, because I've done every job under the sun as well. And what it had to be for me, especially turning 30, was kind of just putting my skills to the best use that I possibly can because it's my skills but it's also the thousands and thousands of pounds of debt that I'm in as well uh, yeah no, you know, I, I hear you man I've, I've been there and you know what I'm still and there's a, still a few loose ends I'm tying up I tell you that <laughs> Well, t- well, if you beat Kurt Angle, though, that's uh, your career mate. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Well, let's um, let's go back a little bit. Um, what was your first exposure to wrestling? It had to be, I'd imagine, it had to be WWF at the time on Sky. Well, it, it it was, yeah. I mean, the thing is, I'd seen it at my like my cousin's house and stuff, but it wasn't until it was about thirteen, fourteen, like you know, peak of the attitude era when I really got into it. Because um, I had one friend at school who was a wrestling fan, and when I really got into it, I was watching WrestleManias and videotapes and things like that. And I was taping it uh, when we finally did get. Uh, I was able to watch it. I used to have loads of videotapes and stuff like that, and I used to love it. I loved it so much that I actually recorded SummerSlam on a dictaphone so I could <laughs> listen to it at school. That's so that's that's how much i liked it um <laughs> so the the there was that and you know i just i started watching tna as well and then i started watching the wrestling channel the wrestling channel I, man yeah i loved that fwa was my favorite promotion and i remembered um i remembered the did you listen the to talk big, sport with alex no no, I didn't. Uh, I was actually just going to mention Alex Shane uh, okay. because he, he was obviously a big part of that huge show they had where they had CM Punk versus Samoa Joe and they had AJ versus Daniels. And, yeah. you know, now I get to work with Alex Shane and it's, you know, it is pretty surreal looking back to names that I kind of looked up to back in the day I'm now working with on a kind of colleague's level. And it's it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Mm. Uh, yes, I mean at the time as well, you know, um, Raw on a Friday night 
Come on, I mean, you know, that's what we were used to. So oh, yeah. on a Friday night, oh, was, yeah. I, I prefer it to the Monday night still because you know less adverts. Um, you know that. Was... Yeah, I love the Friday nights, and the thing is, that's one of the disadvantages of the internet is because people won't wait now. Whereas back then, you kind of if you didn't watch it live on the the Monday because obviously you had school the next day, <laughs> you were waiting till that Friday. But I tell you what. Friday night, Saturday morning. How good was that? You know, yeah. Man, just, I, uh, when I first yeah. uh, found, I mean, you know, because I'm I'm a couple of years older than you, but like when I found out about uh, just the internet, I guess, and the fact that raw, you know, results were on a Monday. I used to predict the results uh, to friends, like you know, uh-huh. just completely out there, and just you know, just read it off the website, sort of thing. But they just weren't on the internet at the time. So when they watched raw on Friday, they were like, how? did you know all of this stuff so like for a couple of weeks i was like an absolute genius for a little bit but uh that obviously <laughs> that obviously didn't last too long but um yeah that was kind of the uh the schedule at the time you know uh cartoon network would finish it so you'd watch the first hour of night row and then you would turn over to raw and then uh then you would catch the last hour of thunder basically <laughs> do you know what you know i uh i actually do remember that that is actually a very you've, you've kind of jogged my memory <laughs> here um i remember when i was one of my mum's friends was looking after me one night she was away doing something and uh, it was like say it was channel 22 cartoon network oh god yeah you even remember and i remember I remember insane. trying to turn cartoon network on mm. um and instead it was tnt and i just remember watching it for a minute and being like what is this <laughs> and i remember saying to uh i remember saying to the babysitter at the time because I, I must have been really young at the time i remember saying something like oh this is uh yeah the, 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 this one this one's real like wcw's real um <laughs> i remember i remember saying that and i remember just hating this old guy who would win all the time like i remember <laughs> hating him absolutely hating him and now you know it was Ric Flair, obviously, and <laughs> the thing is, Ric Flair's like he's top three. If not, he's probably my second favorite wrestler. There's, there's, I've got four top wrestlers, and Ric Flair is one of them. Okay, who's who's your three? Uh, I'll, I'll give you five. I'll give okay. you five, right? Okay. Okay. So, actually, I might have to give you more, right? So, Kurt Angle, The oh, Rock, yeah. um, Ric Flair, mm-hmm. Jericho. Mm-hmm. Cena. That's a good top five. I mean, you know, it, and you know what? If if you're giving me a a, a sixth one, I'll go Lesnar. Well, one of a kind athlete. One of a kind. Absolutely. I mean, the uh, your top five. I mean, it's you know, it's one of those whole masters of all trades sort of thing, as well as being amazing athletes. You know, the entertainment value of them. Um, in particular, is you know obviously incredibly high. So I mean, was Kurt Angle the first wrestler to make an immediate strong impression then on you? The the first, well, I would say it was Ric Flair oh, because well, I okay. just remember okay. as a kid, a young kid, thinking, "Oh, why does he always win?" <laughs> and it, you know, it was a true reaction, and he he evoked that reaction on me. So I would say that was the first wrestler that made a true impression on me. Um, and when I became a big fan. I would say that early on it was it was the Rock, and what I would do is I would play SmackDown and SmackDown Two, yeah. and I would load the Rock up with five finishers. Um, <laughs> so what I would do is first thing just hit like a rock bottom straight away. Oh, you and like I would have hated four, playing you. Huh? Yeah, and like four people's <laughs> elbows make the pin done. In fact, I was so bad at the game. What I used to do is I used to play Royal Rumbles, hmm. and what I would do is you know in SmackDown One you could remake people. Yeah. Well, I had uh, I'd, I would make like four or five rocks as like <laughs> contingency rocks just in case I got thrown out the rumble. So, oh my God, the rocks come back. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I had four or five contingency rocks just to ensure that I would win the, the rumble as the rock. Um, I would say I really got into uh, Kurt Angle. I would say that the time where Kurt Angle was, I mean, you know, the crazy thing is my, my stepdad used to, to watch it with me. Um, and there was a period of time where I think it was when all the like Kumbaya stuff was going on. And yeah. that was just, it was absolutely hilarious. And I loved it. And that's when he became uh, a favorite. But it was really, I would say, 2006 when he moved over to TNA that he was just absolute number one, you know, for, for me. Because it was just, when he moved... With, 
it, ju- it was just something that was unheard of. And at the time, it was like, I couldn't believe it was happening. And him versus Samoa Joe was a match I'd done on Fire Pro Wrestling a hundred times, but never thought it would actually happen. Yeah. And then to see that confrontation when he came up through the floor, came down with a flag and headbutted Samoa Joe in the face. It was just, it to me, it was just, it was an unbelievable debut. And I remember the announcement. It was just, that was phenomenal. So that's that's one of my favourite Kurt Angle memories. Tell you the reason why I was a bit disappointed about Kurt Angle's uh, debut. Because obviously I enjoyed him in WWE and what he was becoming in WWE at the time was kind of what he carried on into TNA, that really more serious kind of thing with the gum shields and everything. Um, but, you know, my favourite wrestler is Christian, and he went to TNA about a year before and was billed as, like, the biggest signing ever until Kurt Angle came in, and then Christian <laughs> sort of sharply got forgotten about quite quickly. Um, <laughs> so well, I, I think some of Christian's best work was in TNA. Absolutely. I, loved agree. It. I yeah. thought he was brilliant. Seen him with the NWA Heavyweight Championship. I was gutted when they got rid of that belt. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the TNA belt did look pretty cool after that, but... Um, the, the NWA championship. I mean, I really, with names like, because obviously it's like if it's not in one of the major companies, it's going to drop off the radar a little bit. Yeah. But when you had names like Christian holding it, you know, that was just, that really kind of brought that title back to the forefront. And I really wish that it was still on national TV or had a, a big spotlight. Yeah, it's a shame I have to say, I don't, I don't know how, but I've got, I've probably got about 10 crazy pro wrestling goals. One of them is to be WWE champion. One of them is to wrestle Kurt Angle. But one of them is to be the NWA heavyweight champion. I don't even know if it's possible, <laughs> but just let's just uh, park that for now. I'll find, just to me, that's just something I really want to do. That belt just means so much to me. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I'm going to do some homework. And actually, it's really bad because there's a wrestling fan to not know because there will be an NWA champion, and I don't know who it is at the moment. And, it's uh, it's Jack Stane. Oh, it's okay. someone called Jack Stane. But, oh, okay. Um, yeah, so it's not exactly my local wrestling show, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> so I don't know how uh, I don't know how it's going to be possible, but that's that's a huge goal for me. Mm-hmm. Well, it's something for you know UK uh, organisations to consider as well, because you know the NWA is an independent, really, and I guess having NWA shows over here um, would be you know a big deal. I used to love um, when promotions would work together. I would love if some of the promotions would work together now. I do, just do I don't know if I can... Do you think it's a bit dog-eat-dog again because it has become so competitive now? Or at least the scene is so strong now, sort of thing. Well, competition's a good thing. Yeah. Competition's a good thing for everyone. And it's when somebody starts to to do well and when, you know, it, it raises everybody else's game. And all I've seen is everyone raising their game and the scene's just getting bigger and better. So no complaints for me. Oh, absolutely. And it would raise your stock as well. as uh... Yeah, it's great for the wrestlers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I okay. think I think it, it's, it makes things tough a lot of the time on the promotions that have, have built us. Mm-hmm. But it, the competition is a good thing. Make no mistake about it. And what I see is a flourishing wrestling scene. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, it always helps as well when a name... Uh, such as uh, you know Prince Devitt goes to WWE and they start using some of that UK uh, footage as well. You know, I yeah, think it, yeah. I mean, that was that was great for ICW. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't actually. I'd, I've, I haven't had a whole lot of time to spend uh, with him, but he was a real influence, and he was someone that was just really cool to me from the get go. Helped me out when you know I would felt a bit of a loner in the locker room and he was someone that kind of gave me a, a lot of time and advice and even though I'd, I've only actually met him a few times uh, but in those few times he's really kind of looked out for me and he, he's he's a great person mm-hmm. yeah and I guarantee as well that they've all you know got their eyes on the UK scene as well because obviously Robbie Brookside working there William Regal etc and you know I mean the uh the refuse to lose show I mean having Jim Ross and uh Jim Cornette doing commentary on your match I mean that is that just as, it's, I mean, I'd imagine as big of a deal as uh, facing Kurt Angle in some ways. Put, put it this way, I used to, when I was a kid, I would have dreams of like <laughs> having, you know, ridiculous achievements. I remember I used to have this dream where like, it would be like, I would get an N64, which I never had. And I would wake up and it wouldn't be real and I'd be like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. Now let's times that by a million now that I'm an adult and you've literally given me the opportunity. So it's like this dream where they've gone, okay, Joe, you can wrestle one opponent of your choice 
and you can have the commentary team of your choice. <laughs> and we're going to put it in the main event of an iPay-per-view. Yeah. So go for it. And that would be the choice. So <laughs> it's it's ridiculousness. Um, I'm just trying not to get in that zone, though, because my responsibility to WCPW and the fans is to be a professional and to go out there and nail it at the highest level. And that's what I intend to do. I, I intend to go out there, and I'm telling you, this entrance is I've been working so hard on this. <laughs> and I'm going out there to entertain no one's safe from my entrances, and uh, I want to go out there and really put on a show. Um, and I, I'm I'm really excited for it. And I just my goal is I just want to entertain. I'm trying not to think about, you know, what thirteen or fourteen year old Joe would have thought about this right now. Yeah. I'm just my focus is is performing at the highest level. And you definitely do that as well. And I mean, obviously, there are different types of fans. Now that you know, come to these shows, obviously there's the sort of I guess the internet smart fans, but there's also you know younger fans as well who really believe it sort of thing. You know, because obviously the uh, like the smart fans, I guess you know, will be drawn into it anyway. Um, you know, based on support for who they love and uh, you know how you know the athleticism in the match and stuff like that. But uh, do you feel that you are um, influencing? younger you know possible future wrestlers you know younger fans with your you know even if not with your matches which i'm sure you are but with your sort of entertainment value as well well one thing that has has been great when it comes to specifics one thing that has been great is i've had quite a few tweets from people saying that when i'm talking about you know it's not too late to pursue your passion because i always thought it was yeah and i started wrestling it 24 just about to turn 25 really just a few months before mm. so i got a lot of people saying that that had inspired them and that really meant meant a lot to me and so that you know that's an example that, that sticks out to me and i was really happy about that that's really cool well wrapping up i've got a couple of questions because you know as, sure. as as i uh, said before we uh, started the interview i'm a, i'm quite a collector i'm a nerd really just an absolute yeah. nerd so you know yeah, as, same here same here man. <laughs> okay well that's, that's good to know so uh did you prefer the smackdown games or no mercy uh, well i never had an n64 um, oh, okay. so for yeah, me yeah. smackdown 2 was the peak for me uh but yeah. Yeah. That being said, when one thing I did enjoy about seeing No Mercy is I used to go like you know when we were at kind of after school clubs and stuff, someone would bring in an N sixty four and that was always fun. And I was rubbish at N sixty four games because I couldn't work the controller. Mm. But I remember seeing like you could buy outfits and um, you could basically all the cool little features and unlockables that you had in No Mercy. But I mean, you know, that that was just a, a great time. Brings back a lot of fond memories. So I didn't play much No Mercy. I watched a lot of it, but um, <laughs> didn't play that much of it. But, oh, yeah, it's, it's, so it's hard to give a, an objective answer. But SmackDown series, that was the one that I played. Yeah, SmackDown 2 was superb. Because, I mean, that, oh. I think that was the first game where, I mean, it seems primitive now, but you could actually see the commentators at ringside. And um, even though they looked like cardboard cutouts. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, I remember the, fact, the fact that you could go to WWF New York and stuff like that, you know. Um, it, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> but yeah, No Mercy is, uh, you know, it's it's definitely stood the test of time, I think. But um, as well as, as as a younger fan then, so did you collect different bits of merchandise and uh, was there anything in particular that you liked? Because I actually did, I did, that's when everything was everywhere, so it was impossible to not... Yeah, well, I didn't have a lot of uh, merch, like T-shirts and stuff. I had a lot of the... I had... Uh, I did have figures, like, yeah. I thought they were awesome. Um, and, you know, I think it was in P7 or something, my dad helped me make uh, my own ring. So it was like two shoe boxes with, like, a little bit of uh, kind of rough paper over the top of it. And it was like, uh, it was some connects or something for the, <laughs> the turnbuckles and ropes along it. So I was happy as Larry with that. Um, I think we managed to get a Titan Tron at a car boot sale, so that was uh, that was <laughs> yeah. fantastic. Oh yeah, I mean, those, um, those things were far yeah. too expensive when they came out. Yeah. Basically, actually, to be honest with you, I think the only piece of well, actually, um, we probably shouldn't get too much into this, but as we were discussing before the podcast, I did purchase a large amount of wrestling merchandise the other day, <laughs> but uh, which you know don't want to go into to spoil anything, anything entrance wise, but. Um, 
I had my only piece of merchandise up until now, WWE merchandise that I can think of, is my John Cena T-shirt <laughs> from when I was fifteen. Yeah, and it was the uh, it was the Thugonomics one. Ah, okay. Yeah. So I mean, does it still fit? Or <laughs> I don't know where it is. I don't know where it is. It was white, and I think it had blue little bits on the sleeve. It was cool. I thought it was cool anyway. Hmm, absolutely. So were you always sort of this size, or you know, even going back to when you first started, or like? No, when I first started, I was uh, I was twelve and a half stone. You know, so I had to basically just I was putting away six and a half thousand calories for about six months. Got up to sixteen and a half stone, uh, which again wouldn't recommend to anyone because no. I started waking up in the middle of the night, unable to breathe, and I was having heavy heart palpitations, and I was just like, I'm going to die here. So uh, Jesus, yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, the girl I was dating at the time was saying that, like, she'd actually dated someone who had had, uh, you know, basically a heart attack early on in their life. And she said that she'd saw similar symptoms. Maybe she was just a super stressful girlfriend that, that caused it. I don't know. But um, I wouldn't have been surprised if, if there was something on the way there. I was waking up in the middle of the night, unable to breathe. Uh, it was horrible because um, I was just so unhealthy. Six and a half thousand ugly calories, um, getting them from anywhere I could. So, yeah, don't do that. If you're going to gain weight, do it slowly. Um, so I did that too quick. And it took me about a year to get rid of the belly that I brought with me, which, you know, isn't completely gone, but we're getting there. Yeah, I think that's something I definitely need to work on myself, I think, because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably not at 6,500 calories, but I also don't probably do any, ex I'm not even remotely athletic. So, um, you know, it's one of those things, when you're a musician, you don't do, like, any exercise, basically. Of course, of course. <laughs> well, I did, I did, because oh, I was so, okay. yeah, well, I was so into wrestling, you know, oh, I was okay. just kind of, you know, it's funny when I used to go to judo, like all the guys would be talking about wrestling and stuff. They'd probably, if there was a wrestling club, they'd probably be there instead. <laughs> well, look, we're gonna uh, we're gonna wrap up uh, now, but sure. um, the show will this show uh, will be up tomorrow morning, which I know doesn't leave enough time. But um, I know some people. I know people will tune in. A lot of them will kind of probably tune in after the show, which kind of de almost defeats the purpose right. of the show. But um, okay. uh, WCPW refused to lose. You cannot buy a ticket for love nor money. Um, no, no. It's honestly getting. In, we've had to squeeze in the the Hendry family into this one. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, that's the thing. Being an absolute flattest broke musician at the moment as well. <laughs> um, I'll be at the Friday show. Come. You know, hello, high water. Uh, but I'm I'm going to be watching on iPay-per-view, um, which I would recommend everyone does. And there will be links below the show for everyone to check all that out. And uh, before you go, where can people reach you for bookings, just to contact you, etc.? Um, if you, my details are up on my Twitter, um, so you can get me there. Um, yeah, always keen to talk to new people, new business opportunities. So please give me a shout. As you say, make sure you get WCPW. You refuse to lose, which is tomorrow. But when this goes out, it will probably be today, October sixth. Will the iPay-per-view be on demand once it's uh, up there? Um, there will be there will be replays. If you're part of What Culture Extra, um, you can you'll be able to watch it sort of any time. Um, but what I would say is I would just double check all the T's and C's on that one because it is a new thing and I haven't had a chance to get to grips with it myself. Um, so there's that option, which is $6.99. Uh, there's also the Fight TV app, which you, you can watch it live there as well, and it's replays for 30 days, I believe. So, um, $6.99, you, know, you could check the change in the back of your pocket or down the back Exactly. Of it's worth it. It's yeah. absolutely worth it. Absolutely. So, yeah. Please do, please do check out. Uh, Joe Hendry, thank you very much for being on the show, and um, oh, I would love, I would love to do this again at some point. Fantastic, sounds good. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, brilliant. Thank you for having me, and I'll speak to you soon. Just let me know. Bye.